Welcome to episode 37 of On the Schmooze. Let's do this. Welcome to On the Schmooze, the podcast that highlights talented people from different fields, explores how they built strong networks, and overcame challenges on their way to becoming successful leaders. Now here's your host, Robbie Samuels. Have you heard? On the Schmooze is on C-Suite Radio, and we're in very good company as one of their headliners. C-Suite Radio is a hub for business podcasts, and you should check it out at c-suiteradio.com to discover other business podcasts. It's part of the C-Suite Network, and they also have C-Suite TV, where you can watch in-depth interviews with business content for leaders and entrepreneurs. The good news? It's all on demand. Check it out at c-suitetv.com and c-suiteradio.com. Now, on to this week's show. Today's guest is a global business celebrity, best-selling business author, and award-winning public speaker. He has faced many challenges and achieved many successes in his career. Most notably, he is credited with the economic turnaround of Kodak after the Great Recession. Currently, he's a primetime television host on C-Suite TV and a radio host on CBS Radio's Play It and C-Suite Radio. He takes viewers inside the C-Suite of some of the world's biggest companies to discover what makes C-level executives like CEOs, CFOs, and CMOs tick. He also conducts exclusive one-on-one interviews with business celebrities to discuss the strategies they've utilized to make it big. He shares his executive insight and commentary on television networks like Bloomberg, MSNBC, and Fox Business, and has been cited as a leading business expert in publications such as Forbes, Success, and Mashable. He's a turnaround architect of the highest order, a maverick marketer who delivers scalable campaigns, embraces traditional modes of customer engagement, and possesses a remarkable skill set of mentorship, corporate governance, and brand building. Please join me in welcoming Jeffrey Hazlett. Wow, man, I love that. I'm going to have to record that. Just give, give me a clipping of that so I can play that over. I'm gonna, especially I'm going to send that to my wife <laughs> and a couple of the people I don't like, just to tick them off. <laughs> Jeffrey, thank you so much for joining me from your office in New York City. So I just want to jump right in. I know my audience will be curious about your day-to-day, but this is a podcast about leadership and building great networks. So tell me, mm-hmm. what does leadership mean to you, and when did you realize you had the skills to lead? Oh, man, that's, that's, that's a great question. You know, a couple of things. I guess, first of all, it's getting people where they don't always like to go or where they want to go and didn't know they could get there. And I, I think that's a big piece of it in terms of just being a great leader. And, the, you know, the other day I had a, a breakfast with a very, very, very good friend of mine, uh, Gerhard Gestetner, who is the he's the publisher and owner of Selling Power magazine. And he's been a friend of mine for decades. And we were having lunch to, or breakfast together. And he said we were talking about all the things I was doing. And he said, you know, to be a leader, if you want to be a great leader, go stand in front of a parade. I thought that was a great way of being able to describe a leader because it's really get, it's 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 about getting people you know they want to go there or they don't know they can get there and you take them there and I think that it's a journey and it's and it is that journey that makes it really fun and it's the good the bad and the ugly of it and that's okay um, because you're 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 going to have breakthroughs you're going to have learnings you're going to you're going to you're going to learn you're going to che- you're going to you're going to learn you're going to share and you're going to cheer. 
And I think that's a, that's a big part of, of being a leader. Learn, share, and cheer. Yeah, that's yeah. great. When when did those skill sets start to be something that you realized you had? Like, did someone early on recognize that? I, I know you moved a lot. I know that that yeah, must have been hard. You didn't have like the same adults seeing you progress year to year, and yet you made it to high school. You you got a leadership position in high school, but you know, how did you first realize that that was something you could do? Uh, I think it's it's inherent in knowing that for a lot of it. Meaning, you know, uh, with the kids in my neighborhood when I was a little. You know, I'd organize this or organize that or, you know, lead this or do that or was the captain of the team or those kinds of things, you know, that you do. Or, you know, we're going to play baseball, so you divide up here and now let's pick the teams, you know, uh, those kind of things. But I, it's an, I don't know that I ever said, oh, I see this now. I, it's just me. Just like when you, you just said a minute ago, um, God, it had to be hard. Well, I don't know. It was any different to me. That's what it was. That's normal. Right. So being a leader, being who you are, I think to me is, is the, is the normal, it's normal, whatever it is you are, you are. And then but it's, the hard part is getting to that better side of that. Uh, in my opinion, causing the tension in yourself to get to those breakthroughs and find the breakthroughs and sometimes breakdowns to get to the breakthroughs, right. That we have to have. So I, you know, I don't, so I don't know that I ever knew that, but I knew it and I didn't say like, Oh, that was the defining moment. You know, I can remember being, uh, you know, the, the MC in my second grade play, you know, um, you know, I can still remember that. Why? I just, I was always that guy. You know what I mean? I, I, I don't mean to say it like that. Like, you know, cause look, I'm not, I wasn't the homecoming King. That's for sure. That was Bruce Anderson, by the way. And I'm still pissed at him. Um, because my girlfriend at the time was the homecoming queen. I still am. I want to, I want to, uh, Bruce, I saw Bruce not too long ago. I hadn't seen him in probably 10 years, 15 years. I said, yeah, I'm going to punch in the face. Cause you, you got to be home. And I still introduce him as the homecoming king, cause, which I'm so proud of him because he, he, he won that act like you can't do it all. And that's okay too. That I think that's another part about being a leader. You know, you can't do it all. And, and we all got to have different roles. So we play our roles. That's, that's nothing wrong with that. Whatever that role is. So you went somehow from, you know, being the, the kid in the neighborhood who organized the, the teams, was the, was the captain of the teams. You got a leadership position in student government in high school. Were you, were you really active yeah. after that? Was this something you just kept oh, doing? Oh, yeah. Always doing it. I ran for lieutenant governor of the state of South Dakota when I was a junior in high school. You know, in between my junior and senior year, I ran for governor, lieutenant governor of the state of South Dakota. So why? Because I can. Um, you know, that kind of attitude. Yeah. Yeah. Am I always doing the same thing? I'm always doing the things I want to do. So I call them conditions of satisfaction. So I learned early in my year or in my life about conditions of satisfaction. What's that? What is it I want to get out of life? What is it that I want to be able to do? So I put them around not the things themselves, but the guidelines or what I would call governance for driving those things. Mm. And what I mean by that, what I mean by I want to build wealth. I don't know. What, what does that mean? Do I want to have a billion dollars? Well, that'd be cool. Chances are I'm not going to have that. Okay. So what's wealth? Wealth means I'm going to do better than what my family did. My dad did. My mother did. My grandfather did. And I'm going to have a legacy for my children and my grandchildren. And they're going to have a better life than I did. To me, that's wealth. Now, and I'm going to build a company that I hopefully will be the next unicorn. But even if it's half a unicorn, I'm okay. Cause that's, that's still a lot of freaking money. So, so to me, wealth is, is a definition of all these things to have the things I want to do or where I want to go. So it's not a, it's not a particular number. 
I have a number of mine that would make me very happy, but you know, it's okay if I don't hit it because I've got a better life than what I have. So wealth is important for me. The second is I, I want to learn new things. I want to be challenged. You know, I want to, I want to have great, good conversations. I want to have debates. I want to, I want to be in a, in positions where I learn new things that challenge me. And then the third condition of satisfaction for me is I want to have fun. And if I can have fun and I get paid for it and I'm building wealth and wow, Okay, cool. Those are mine. So rather than saying, you know, I want to be a millionaire by this date or rather, I, you know, which I've done or whether I want to do this or I want to be in a Fortune 100 company or I want to do this, I say these are the guidelines, the conditions of satisfaction that drive me. And, and by doing that, then that takes me in different journeys in different places. And I feel pretty good about that. So you've really in the last few years taken what you just described and put it into practice by building up C-Suite Network. Mm-hmm. And from there, you've launched countless other projects like C-Suite Radio. And, and thank you. I just accepted to be part of that as a, the podcast uh, launches uh, coming up in just a couple of months. And, and might I say congratulations, because not everyone's invited to be a part of that. You have to have a certain you have to have a certain skill level. You have to have certain kinds of guests. You have to be smart. You have to be good looking. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. But uh, on the last part, but it's good that you are. So, you know, so what I mean by that is not just everyone can do it. And so congratulations on that. And and you've met our conditions of satisfaction. Yeah. We're looking forward to having you on C-Suite Network. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about what has been most rewarding about the work that you're doing now. Uh, well, one, I get to do it. And two, you know, all those things. I'm building wealth, okay? I, although a lot of it's going out the door rather than in the door <laughs> because I'm reinvesting in it. That's what you do as an entrepreneur. Um the second piece of it is then, you know, I'm getting to do the things I'm wanting to do and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. So, and we're defining it. So, you know, it's like, a, we're like C-suite TV, we're building TV, Well, what's TV or well, whatever we say it is, you know, and we, we, what's the definitions of it? Well, we, we put definitions around it and does anyone come up with that? No, we're doing that. And that's what I think is really cool. It's being able to, to build this, from scratch and build something of great value that people want to actually pay you for is a pretty cool thing. So you actually probably had a, a sense of what your audience was looking for because you yourself had been in the C-suite of a Fortune 100 company. And now you've got, is it a half million people? Yeah, we have over half million? a million C-suite. Yeah, half a million C-suite. So we defined, look, we found that there's a real inherent problem with LinkedIn. Right? LinkedIn's great. Those don't get me wrong. I use LinkedIn, you use LinkedIn, lots of executives use LinkedIn. But at the same time, I, f- I notice a big trend with most executives in bigger companies. That is companies, 5 million, 10 million, certain billion dollar companies, mid cap companies, they don't put their real email address in. Why? Because they really don't want you talking to them. They don't really want you coming to them. Why? Because they don't know who you are. You haven't earned the right or you're, you're, you're not good at being able to parlay it into a value statement that they want to be able to hear. Now, I'm, I'm sure if it's value statement, they want to hear it, but they don't know. And so all this noise is out there. So what they do is they, they, they basically put in filters to keep you out. So what we decided to do is create a community of those people. So a trusted community that's vetted, that you must be this tall to get in. Think of it like a country club. So in something like a country club or a membership club, are there people in the organization that you don't like? Yeah, sure. But they earn the right to get in. And so we're, but they're okay with that. So what we do is we vet the network first 
And then any vendors, anybody that comes in, we make sure that we also vet them. So it becomes the most trusted vetted network in the world. And so that's where we're focused. And we're focused on the group that's responsible for 95% of all the revenue in, say, North America. Wow. <laughs> that's a, by the way, of the 28 million businesses, that's only 3 million businesses. Of the 28 million businesses, they're responsible for 95% of the $17 trillion GDP. So this is, it's phenomenal. So then we say, okay, then we find and we create exec relationships with those executives and we offer the engagement through the media, the content through C-suite TV, C-suite radio, C-suite book club, C-suite Academy and our C-suite news to basically give them an experience. Like I'm sure that you, you've gone to, you, you've got a restaurant that's your favorite restaurant. I'll bet you. And when you sit down at that restaurant, they know what you like to drink and they bring it over to you before you even ask for it. That makes you feel special. That makes you feel great. Well, see, that's what the C-suite networking is. By learning the behaviors of the things that you do and what you want and by paying special attention to you, we learn how to better serve you. And I really like the servant mentality of let me give you what you want. And if I give you what you want, you won't pay more for it. So that's what that's what the C-Suite Network's about. So it's about helping you be the most, now get this, a lot of us like to think of as executives, those people who listen to this thing, we'd like to think we're the smartest people in the room. And guess what? I'll give you a big secret. We're not. So when I'm sitting there and I'm in the, C, I'm the, I'm in the C, CMO of a Fortune 100 company and I'm in the room, I don't think I'm the smartest because I know I'm just like everybody else. And there's things that are going on. I'm going like, what the hell are they talking about? And it, that happens. Okay. And I'm, at least I'm willing to admit it. What, what my job is, is not to be the smartest person in the room. My job is to be the most strategic person in the room. Mm-hmm. All right. So at a C level, that's our real job. And so I hire lots of, lots of, lots of smart people and smart vendors and smart suppliers and smart partners but my job is to see where it's going and then, as we said a minute ago, lead you there and lead the rest of the team there. And so that's, that's really what the C-Suite Network's about. So before you got to this point in your career, you have lived a long life doing a lot of amazing things. I mentioned – I'm not uh, that old. I'm not that intro. old. <laughs> <laughs> you look good. I mentioned in the intro uh, your role at Kodak. This was at a time of uh, great- yeah. I don't even have to describe it. It's, it's a big deal that was going on there. Um, my question is really about career challenges, and, and that may not be the biggest one you face, but it was a very public one to be put into a space that was in that sort of downfall and they couldn't see it. And yet you, you, made, you made a difference while you were there. So what, what has been sort of a challenge as you move through your career? Uh, well, I mean, you know, a lot of people say, what's the biggest one I've ever faced? I said, I don't know. I haven't, haven't found it yet. Yeah. Right. Cause they're always bigger and there, there's always something different, something unique, which is really cool. And I, I'm, I'm good about that. I think that's awesome. The, um, because you know, I, I like what's your business big, big, biggest success. I don't know. I haven't gotten there yet. You know, that's kind of the way I look at life. Uh, they're all different. You know, now my big, biggest success to date right now is being a grandfather. Well, I didn't have much to do with that except for 20, actually 30 years ago. I was successful then. So and now I've got this child, a grandchild. But, you know, here, here's I think the thing that helps the most is when you, you said, uh, you know, I was at a time period at Kodak where it was like it, it sucked. Let's just be very clear. It sucked. It was also one of the most exciting 
periods of my career, one of the most. And I learned so much. But but how 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 can you come through that? It's by being transparent and by being you know, true to your core values and core you, but then being transparent about it to everybody else and about the way in which you're doing it and how you go through it, I think is, is the reason one I survived and two that I was able to, to make an impact there. Uh, did I make the full impact I should have? No, absolutely fell short without question. They couldn't, couldn't save it. Right. But you know, um, I would, I would have been, I would have been over promising in saying I could have, um, you know, so that's the other piece of it. So what can I do is make the best of it. And we can hope that it will do this and this will happen and, and, and to be very clear, but it just wasn't in the cards at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I interviewed Howard Putnam uh, about his time really seeing Southwest, Southwest through uh, bankruptcy to the other side, which was not a task anyone thought was possible, you know, and, and sometimes you do take on these tasks and these, these roles that you play that you don't, you just are the person who has to do it and you, you hope you can get through to the other side, but you're going to still put everything into it. And he really shared a little bit about how much he learned from that time, you know, and then yeah. took and that with him. He's a good guy. And Howard's a, a terrific leader, a, t- a terrific gentleman and, and, and great professional. He's a motivator. He's a good motivator. Um, I, I've, I've shared the stage with Howard many times. Yeah. I, and I also believe one of the things is, is that there are people who are supposed to sign up for that. Um, I believe that there are people like Howard, there are people like me, there are people like that who run to burning fires, mm-hmm. who run to burning buildings, who run to, you know, a catastrophic kinds of things, because that's what we're supposed to do. So, um, you know, I just, I think first responders are like that, you know, they're just built and wired a different way. And, and, they're, and, and thank God for that. Just think like, thank God there are these wonderful veterans and troops and people who defend our country and do the things that they do and they run into harm's way. Um, you know, and I, I do believe there are people who do that with in relationships. I think there are people who do that with, you know, um, protecting our country. I think there are people who do that with business and, and, um, you know, thank goodness that we have people. Those are leaders, right? So a common struggle for anyone striving for success is of course that fear of being wrong or making mistakes or even, failing so yeah. with with that in mind tell me something that you're not very good at and and how you deal with that singing i can't i suck at singing <laughs> okay so guess what i don't sing <laughs> or if i sing i do it where i i first of all i don't care i don't care if you think i suck or not i don't care like here's the thing about failure get over it no one's gonna die it, seriously you're going to do in your job, unless you're like, like operating on people or you're having heavy machinery or you're the traffic cop and you make a mistake, no one's freaking going to die. Okay. So big freaking deal. If you fail, big freaking deal. So get over it. You know, I was with a bunch of, I was with a bunch of uh, celebrities, big names. I, I can't tell you who they were big names. And I was talking to them about the marketing of you, marketing of me, market, you know, how do you do this? And because they asked me because, you know, we built this whole business around the stuff that I do. And it's a multi-million dollar business and, and very, and we're very successful at it on TV and radio and the books and all the stuff that we do and speaking, you know, and, and, they, and one of the guys said to Jeff, how, what do you do about that little voice in your head that, that says you can't? 
what do you do right before you go on stage? What do you do? I said, well, what voice? He goes, what are you talking about? I said, man, I stopped inviting those voices to dinner a long time ago. Right. So you're so certainly you're going to fail. Certainly these little things in the back, you might talk, shut up and move on. And, and I think that's what you really have to do. I, I, I look, um, it, you know, and a lot of people are, are taking a great pride right now in failing, failing a lot. You know, let's fail. Let's fail. Let's fail forward. Failing's for losers. You want to win forward. You want to win fast. Okay. And, and that's what, that's my advice to you. Fail, failing is just a step towards winning. I mean, it's just a step toward completion. It's just a step towards satisfaction. That's what failure is. It's part of the process. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so you have to do it to get there. But aside from singing, which it seems like you've managed to avoid being a necessary part of your business, is there other things that you have been able to surround yourself with other people that have the the talent that or the time to do the things yeah. that you're not going to yeah. succeed? Yeah, I'm not. A, I'm not. A, I, I look. I can be a detail person. People and my team will tell you I like details. But I am also not the detail person. You don't want me doing the day-to-day. You don't want me doing the little minute little things day in and day out. You don't want me preparing all that stuff. I will drive you freaking nuts. And I will I will pretend like it'll be a squirrel, squirrel, and I'll, I'll get distracted, okay? So all, those things happen to me all the time. And so, therefore, I put other people with me. And like my, one of my partners, Carl Post, who's been with me now for years and has been a friend of mine for decades, you know, Carl starts most of his conversations. You're not going to want to hear this, you know? So he's my guy. He's that guy. That's the role he plays that, you know, and, and, you know, my son and my daughter who will both also work in the business, each play different roles with things that, that they're really good at. And I'm not good at as are most of the team. My, my job, you know, my business is to hit a mark, to be the eye candy, to be the, the person who, who stands in front of the camera and does the talking, the person who jumps on a mic and does the mic, the person who portrays and, you know, takes the intellectual property and, and shows people how to do it and the way in which you do it or to communicate that or to, or to sit in a meeting and, and sit in a presentation by a company and hone in on the real value of what they're trying to do and then take them through the 200 steps they got to do it in a matter of seconds or minutes. Mm-hmm. That's my that's my job, my expertise. Their job is to make sure I'm there. Right, because you and, can't do all those other things if you're not there. Exactly, and to make sure that that's all I'm doing. So, you know, today, you give me a good, great example, you know, I'm doing interview after interview, thing after thing, and they're literally taking me around, making sure I got something to drink, something to eat. I haven't left. You know, luckily they let me go to the bathroom, but outside of that, that's what they're doing because they're, they're making the best use of our asset, which is me, today for the purposes of what we have to do. That, that, so you, you get good at what you do. You find the things you like to do, get efficient at it. And then the other things that you're not really good at, man, why would you want to do that? Now, and, I, and by the way, let's be clear, I could do those things, right? I mean, and when we're doing startups and things like that, I'm like thinking down to the tweet, down to the social media post of the things we're going to do, but you don't want me doing that. Right, because there's so many other things you can be doing that no one else can. And that's, I also think I heard you on John Corcoran, Smart Business Revolution, and uh, talking about having those people who are really clearing the way for you to get you from point A to point B down to walking the route. You know, really, you don't, you don't have to think about anything. And, and the, there's a way in which when you achieve that level of, of leadership, 
you really relinqu- relinquish some control over your day because you want to be tr- efficient. It, it's trust. It's trust. I mean, so yeah, the, the point is like when I, when you're at a fortune 100 level um, and quite frankly, the level of what we do today in our own business is for, when I was at a trade show, <laughs> um, I stepped out of the door at, at seven o'clock because that was the normal pickup time. And at seven o'clock, I stepped out the door and there were three people there. Someone handed me a uh, fried egg sandwich because that's what I like to eat. And someone handed me a Diet Mountain Dew. And then someone's briefing me on the schedule. And then someone's saying, walk this way. And that person's walking ahead of us down the hallway. I can actually envision it right now. We're in a Hyatt in Chicago at the McCormick. And, and they're getting ahead so that they can hit the button. So the elevator opens and it's there. By the time we turn the corner, we walk on the elevator. They take me and they have pre-walked the route of where we're going to go. They pre-walked the routes between each appointment so that we have the fastest or the most least restrictive because with a guy like me, as we're walking through the trade show floor, I know everybody, they're stopping me. They want a picture. They want this. They want that. So sometimes we got to go around those things. And that was even back when I was just in the corporate world, right? So, um, so that's very, very effective, right? You know, you, you don't want me waiting around. I'm not trying to brag about this. I'm not trying to be big-headed about it. But you don't want me waiting around for the Uber. You don't want me. You want me walking outside and walking in, setting down. So I'm the most effective at what we do because that's the asset we have. And so that's yeah. That's and and, and so it's it is trust and understanding trust with those people. Well, all based upon the conditions of satisfaction of what they've got to do. So just like I have four or five things I've got to do, they have four or five things they've got to do. And it all rolls up into those overall conditions of satisfaction. And each of us have our role to play. And and if they break down and they don't have that Uber there, uh-oh, my whole thing breaks down. Right. Right. So you learn to trust. So we spend a great deal in our team understanding conditions of satisfaction. You know, I got a new employee. I sit down with them. And I said, oh, look, I'm going to ask you to send this out by UPS. And now the obvious question is I could fill this out myself. But let me tell you what we, why I want you to do this and how I need you to do this. You know, and we go through what the conditions of satisfaction are because, you know, we want, I want them to understand. Now, next time I don't have to do that. So, so then I'm going to judge them first on sincerity. Are they sincere in saying, yeah, I can get this done? Now I'm going to judge them on reliability and competency. Yeah. You know, those are the two next big things because you can be, you can be competent and not reliable. I mean, I know you can do it, but you, you just don't deliver. And I know that you can be reliable and not competent. Yeah, you're going to screw it up every freaking time you do do it. <laughs> so there's lots of different ways to judge that, right? That's so true. It's so true. I was also thinking about how much time and dedication both within your day-to-day. I, your day-to-day sounds like it's accounted for by the minute. And I'm sure you also take a lot of this out of the office and you're thinking about things all day and all night and all weekend. What does self-care look like for you? How do you, uh, how do you balance all of those things? Well, you know, I'm lucky. <laughs> I need to do better at it, like all most people, because um, I love doing what I do so much. And I lo- you know, I'm the kind of guy who goes to bed at night, can't wait to hurry up and sleep so I can get going the next day. And that, that can play a toll. Um, I'm lucky, a big guy with lots of energy. But I also have a great support team, meaning my spouse, my wife, who really takes care of me and my daughter as well, who works in the business and she's like a, you know, a pit bull on a, on a bone, like you won't believe. So 
so like we're there watching for that. And my team does too. Look, I'm a meal ticket, you know? So they got to, they want to take care of me. So, you know, like, you know, I was just thinking the other day, I haven't had a cold in, in years, you know, cause there were, we watch stuff. We, you know, we make sure I get my flu shot. We make sure I do this. They make, make sure when I go home to my ranch in South Dakota, I go see the doctor and get my annual physical. And then, then the next one, I got to get my teeth done. They, they make sure that gets done. And all these, you know, you know, all this, this little stuff like that. So it takes a village, but, but, but that makes us very effective, you know, and sometimes it's to be honest with you, it's a real pain in the ass. Cause everybody knows when I'm, I'm going to go see the proctologist or I'm going to go see this. Or that. Right. I, I just do those things they don't know about, but yeah, you have to, Stephen Covey is, you know, who I shared stage with, um, and this is a great book. If you haven't read it, folks is seven habits of highly effective people. It's probably one of, it's one of the most classic books out there. And he says, you have to balance four ways in your life. The most effective, most highly effective people have a balance between their spiritual life, their family life, their work life, and their friend life. And the spiritual life I put is your health as well, right? And so, and I thought, man, that's a cool thing. That's a cool, he said four, maybe you should add five, maybe you should add your health because we're going to live a lot longer. But I, I kind of, I, your spirit of soul and spirit of mind and body to me are the same. So mm, That's great. He has such great advice on so many topics. Is there something in particular you do in your off time? When, when, when do you know you're off? Is there something you're actively doing? Really, really off, but when I go home to South Dakota, either I'm on my place working, so I work a lot outside and, you know, hunt or just chopping, hauling, cutting grass. I do a lot of that and I really, truly enjoy that. Nice. And that's my, that's my fun stuff. Even though I'm sweating, you know, I drop 10 pounds in a day kind of thing. I'll, I'll, you know, I'm exhausted. You, you know, literally, you know, I'm, I'm covered in mud and I, and, and I've come home in my, in my garage outside. I have to, I strip naked before I even go in the house. Cause I'm so, I'm so, yeah, you know, and, uh, and, you know, even the white socks that I put on in the morning, we had literally, my wife, my wife calls them throwaway socks because I, we buy these by the dozen and I just throw them away because they're just, they're trashed because I'm, I'm, I'm working that hard outside. Well, it sounds great that you have, uh, something else to dive into when you're not in New York city, you get to go home and, and, and be out in nature and, and really, and also see the efforts that you're putting in, in a day's work. Yep. So it's great. You know, you're really well known uh, as being a person who is, I mean, embodies the idea of a connector that strives to keep meeting people. You, you have a vast network already, and yet you very, it seems very easily keep meeting people. You're very open to that. You've built up all these relationships. What are you doing actively to really nurture those relationships? Like, you can't obviously do that with 10,000 people or 4 million people, but what is, you know, your inner circle, how do you nurture those kinds of relationships or bring new people into your, your life and onto your stage? Well, you know, I, well, I think you actually can nurture those relationships with large numbers if you're doing it right. And that's, that's the engagement that you have. And I, I try to stay very engaged with people either through Twitter or Facebook and, so I think one is, is that so you, you stay engaged. Second, you, I think you, you tend to be transparent. So this is what's going on. So I, I speak to people like I'm speaking to my family. 
I might not get as intimate in terms of those discussions with certain rings of those those levels. Um, but the third the third thing I think is real critical is that uh, is that I'm accessible, and I try to be accessible no matter who you are. And it might be, you know, and say, hey, are you this are you the guy that's writing this back on the Twitter? Yeah, it's me. Yeah, it's me. Um, you know, because I spend an hour or two doing that every day. And just because I, not everyone, but, but I try to do as much of it as I can, because I get like 600, you know, uh, six, 800 tweets a day. So it's, it's tough. Um, and, and sometimes like, you know, like one day I got 48,000 comments on one post. So that's tough. So, but you, you just try to acknowledge as much as you can and be there. So, so, so then I try, so then it's really tied to value. What, what can I do to help you? I, I call it a real servant mentality. Um, I, 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 I want to serve others just like I say in the C-suite, but I, but I, my feeling is what can I do to help you? And, and if I can do that, I, I, I think that's paid off. I think that's why I have the, the base I have. I think, you know, um, I could build that stuff b- bigger artificially. I could, you know, advertise more, do that, and, uh, but I'm not, I just don't, I don't, that's not what I, that's not what I'm about. So. If you had the opportunity to speak to yourself at 25 years old, what is the one thing you'd encourage yourself to do to build a strong and supportive professional network? Uh, I would have done it faster. I would have not been limited by the things people tell me or what my own proclivities or barriers put up in front of me. So, for instance, you know, I grew up in, in South Dakota, a place most people only know on a map. So when I was doing stuff in South Dakota in Sioux Falls, which is Minnehaha County, I thought I was big doing stuff there. Then I realized, hey, I can go across the state and do it there. But you know what? I was still in the border of South Dakota. And then one day I realized I could do this in Iowa (laughs) or Illinois or Chicago and this city and this place. And then pretty soon I figured out I can do this overseas. And the second I started realizing that, and and in my last book, Think Big, Act Bigger, it's called Adding Zeros. And uh, I would have added zeros a lot faster. (laughs) So that's great. I think that we all have to start from somewhere. And it's great to hear that someone, you know, starting, you know, in South Dakota and making their way to where you are today and still retaining their roots. I mean, you're also known for, for holding on to your roots. You got your boots on. You're probably wearing them right now. <laughs> this is, I am wearing them right now. Yeah. So here's my my real my last question is uh, if if we were to meet a year from now, and I know that I'm going to see you at the next uh, influence uh, convention down in Orlando, and you're telling me what a great year it's been, what are going to be some of those accomplishments that we'll be celebrating? I'm going to have another grandbaby. Okay, that that's one. Uh, my daughter is real happy in her relationship with her boyfriend slash whatever that's going to be. Um, my wife isn't mad at me. Okay. It's those things that are most important to me. But then on top of it, I've got my own business goals. And, and, and one of those is that the people that work for us are having fun. They're learning things and they're making money and they feel good about what they're doing too. So, so it's all those things combined. And I I got lots of those that mean a lot to me. And I, again, I think it's gotta be a, a get back to that Covey statement. You know, that you're, I'm in a good place mentally, physically. You know, I got great friends around me that I'm staying in touch with that inspire me and, and keep me grounded and, and my family. And then 
my family's happy, my family's doing well, and then you know, business-wise, everything's going good. Uh, that, I, that's the that's the measurement right there. They, life's not complicated, in my opinion. It is complicated, but it's not. I mean, when you're all sitting down, if you as long as you got food on the table, you got a place, of, you know, had some, you're, you're you're safe and so forth. That's a pretty good place. That's a pretty good place for life. That's great. So. How can people find out more about you or follow your work? All you got to do is Google. It's called Google, and you just Google Hazlet, H-A-Y-Z-L-E-T-T, or hashtag C-Suite, or look at C-S-U-I-T-E Suite. You can find you can find me because I'm everywhere. That's where I'm at, Robbie. Everywhere. I hope you enjoyed that interview with Jeffrey Hazlet. Such a pleasure to speak with him and learn about his leadership journey. What is your key takeaway from our conversation? Something you'll put into action this week that you'll benefit from for years to come. One of the things stood out for me was Jeffrey's concept of conditions of satisfaction as a guiding force in his life. His were wanting to build wealth, which he did not define by a number. He wanted to learn new things and he wanted to have fun. How he chooses to spend his time and energy is filtered through his conditions for satisfaction. This has helped him achieve great success from humble beginnings. What would your conditions of satisfaction be? Whether you know it or not, you're making choices all the time about how you spend your time or energy. Why not create a filter like this to help guide you through life? Rather than being goal-focused, be sure that all the steps along the way meet your conditions of satisfaction, and you'll find yourself far surpassing any goal you may have set early in your career. I also really like Jeffrey's attitude towards failing. He said, failure, get over it. No one's going to die. And he's right. For most of us, failure is not life or death. Actually, it's inevitable that we're going to fail as we reach for bigger and bigger goals. If you haven't failed at something recently, then you're not pushing yourself to your greatest potential. Don't revel in your failure. Learn from it and realize it's another step towards meeting your end goals. And did you catch how Jeffrey talked about being accessible? This is a guy with a huge following. On Twitter alone, he has over 600,000 followers. He needs a team to get him from his room to meetings at major conventions. And yet, he says his base was built not artificially through ads, but by asking, what can I do to help you? His servant mentality and belief in adding value into his network has helped him be a huge success. But... He didn't change when he became successful. He has always had this abundant way of engaging and continues to do so. That's something for us to all consider. How can we retain our core sense of self, our openness to people and their ideas as we climb our career ladder? What do we value and want to still define us when we've achieved success in our field? Determine that now as you're still climbing because it's those values that will help you make it to the top. While we don't all have 600 to 800 tweets a day to respond to, we're all juggling lots of connections, including former colleagues and past clients, prospective clients, and all the people we meet along the way at countless networking events. Figuring out who is important to stay in touch with and then actually staying in touch is often difficult, but it's become a lot easier now that I use Contactually, a robust CRM that's perfect for managing my professional network. I use it to help me manage my most important relationships and the ones I hope will become significant. As an affiliate for Contactually, they are offering my listeners a free 14-day trial, no credit card required. 
Let me know if you sign up for the free trial and I'll help you get set up for success. Visit contactually.com slash invite slash schmooze for more details. That's contactually, C-O-N-T-A-C-T-U-A-L-L-Y dot com slash invite slash schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. For your convenience, I'll add the link to the show notes at ontheschmooze.com. Look for episode 37. Well, we've done it again. We've reached the end of another episode. Thank you so much for listening to On The Schmooze. If you want to discover other business podcasts, check out C-Suite Radio at c-suiteradio.com, where you'll find On The Schmooze in good company with other C-Suite Radio headliners. I want to sincerely thank all of you who have already subscribed and left a rating and review on iTunes. By subscribing and leaving a rating and review on iTunes, you're helping this podcast get discovered by more listeners. Will you subscribe and leave an honest rating and review? Include your Twitter handle in your review so I can give you a shout out. It's easy to find our iTunes page at itunes.ontheschmooze.com. Thank you in advance and look forward to connecting again next week when I'll be sharing a PSA about spraying and praying. If you're not familiar with this term, you've probably experienced it, so tune in to find out what not to do. Until then, have an amazing week. Thanks for listening to On the Schmooze podcast at www.ontheschmooze.com. That's On the Schmooze, S-C-H-M-O-O-Z-E. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.